0: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, thanks for tuning into Dose of Leadership. Going to do a quick solo episode today. I want to thank one of my uh, Dose of Leadership university members, Paul Stringer, for giving me this idea today, giving me this inspiration. We were texting back and forth talking about some of the current challenges that we're faced and the challenges of facing and delivering bad news and in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. And uh, one of the things that we said in the exchange was it's about, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to be in ab- abound during this time if you just have the willingness to look for them. And it reminded me, like, when you look about leadership and what we're tasked to do, and then one of the biggest challenges is, is it's fighting for the big picture. And I know I've shared a lot of aviation stories, and I'm always reminded about this time being a professional aviator, flying multi-crew aircraft all across the globe, and I've done it for almost 30 years now. And the mark of a true professional aviator is this constant fighting for the big picture, I don't know if you've ever heard, heard of the Eastern Airlines Flight 401. It happened in 1972 in late December, and it was a uh, Lockheed L-1011 TriStar that crashed in the Florida Evergrades. 101 people died. Uh, all the pilots and the flight engineer, two of the flight of the flight attendants, and 96 of the 163 passengers died. 75 passengers and crew actually survived. But the crash occurred. It was it was it's such a tragic mistake. The, it, we study this, and it really was the crash that really. Spark the crew resource management kind of movement in the United States in aviation because the crash happened while the entire cockpit crew was preoccupied with a burnt out landing gear indicator light. A perfectly good airplane, flying airplane. And when they were coming in for, they were near the final phase of flight. They were in a downwind, getting ready to turn to final on an ILS instrument approach at night. And they were putting the landing gear down and the nose gear indicator light. Usually you have three sets of lights, and they usually turn green. And when they're green, they tell you that the landing gear is fully down and they're locked in position. And if you don't have a green light, well, then you don't know if your landing gear is fully down and locked. And so that can cause, um, obviously, challenges and problems, and so we need time to go figure that out. Well The problem was that if you study this accident, again, is that they spent the entire crew was focused on this burnt out light bulb, this 23 cent light bulb. Everybody was focused on it. And they had four people in the cockpit with multiple years of experience. I mean, the captain had almost 30,000 hours. The first officer had almost 6,000 hours, 5,800 hours, I think. Flight engineer had, oh my gosh, 15,000 hours, I think. And then they had a maintenance guy sitting in the jump seat who was familiar with the L-1011. So he was Uh, a viable addition up there as well. All of them were focused on this burnout light bulb. And what happened was the autopilot disengaged and then slowly started this slow descent. And it was night. So you couldn't really see out of the windows. You couldn't see. and It was over the floor to Everglades. So there wasn't any horizon or anything. So it was just, if you looked out the windows, it was kind of pitch black, but they were all focused, hyper-focused on this light bulb looking in the cockpit and this autopilot inadvertently got kicked off somehow and it started making this very shallow descent about 250 feet per minute something like that and they were only when they started this troubleshooting they were only 2,000 feet above the ground and so in a matter of minutes and when they realized it, they were just feet above the ground and they said what's going on and then they just flew controlled crash into the floor at Florida Everglades and it's an interesting study in the kind of the human psyche and task management, micromanagement, delegating tasks, all of that kind of comes into play. But the point of that and telling that story is that it's so easy for us as leaders to get so sucked in to the current kind of task at hand. And just like this case where that burnout light bulb, it really wasn't that big of a deal. And even if the landing gear wasn't down and locked, it's not a major emergency. You could have, there's multiple ways to get the gear down. And so they just needed to take the time, but everybody just got focused on that light bulb. And it reminds me as leaders, the challenges that we're faced, that it's easy for us to get sucked in, you know, to the day to day. You hear it time and time again, you know, don't want to be a micromanager. But as leaders, I think it's, it's your requirement to constantly be fighting for the big picture. It's easy to get caught in the small picture, right? And assuming that role, when you get sucked into levels lower than you're required to, when you're what are you doing? You're dispensing the efforts of those who should be doing the work. And much like that case in that example in that cockpit, when that was happening, and now if, if you when we handle emergencies now and how we're taught and been trained over the past decades and how I came up through aviation, something happens like that, you know, an abnormal procedure, somebody says, my aircraft, whoever's flying, says, my aircraft. And what that does is it s- slows everything down and it reminds everybody that somebody's flying the plane. And that's important distinction when you think about that. It's is letting everybody know, hey, I'm flying the plane. And the next thing that happens is the captain, whoever, and usually the captain will start to delegate duties within the cockpit. If I'm the first officer in the cap, and I, something happens and I say, it's my aircraft, he goes, Roger, it's your aircraft. Then he will usually take over all the troubleshooting and enlisting the crew to solve the problem. And if I'm sitting over there and it's my aircraft and I'm flying, my duties is to maintain the big picture... And talk on the radio. And that's all I really do. Let the rest of the team handle the troubleshooting, but somebody's got to be flying the plane. And I know when you talk about it in common sense, I mean, when you talk about it at this kind of speed, that makes common sense. But look at the example of Eastern Airlines, right? Everybody was trying to pull out a change, a broken, burnout light bulb. And so I guess what I'm saying is we're always fighting to stay out of the small picture. you got to fight for the big picture. So how do we do that? Well, the big picture demands your time. And that's the big thing that I hear everybody say, leaders say, I just don't have the time to focus on the big picture. And that's not an acceptable answer. You have to be focused on the macro when you're a leader. No matter what level of the organization you're at, at some point, macro means different things for different people depending on where you're in the organization. But still, you always got to be fighting for that larger perspective. And particularly when you're faced with a crisis situation or an abnormal situation, which is going to be frequent, that's the price that you pay for being in a leadership role, it's easy to get sucked in and solving the day-to-day tasks, particularly in crisis, when you're in crisis mode. You feel like you got to get down there in the weeds and help everybody out, but you've got to fight that tendency. you got to always be the one that's asking yourself, okay, what are we trying to accomplish here? Because somebody has to be asking that question. What are we trying to accomplish? What are we doing? And the fact that you're doing that is kind of like that example I gave you in the In the aircraft situation where somebody says it's my aircraft, just letting everybody know I'm flying the plane. I got this. Now you guys go start figuring out how to solve that. And that's the role that I see as leaders that we need to be. We need to be the ones that are saying, okay, what are we trying to do here? What's our purpose? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to deliver? How are we going to see this through successfully? Somebody has to be saying essentially my aircraft. And so, don't buy into this. I just don't have the time to do it because it's not your job to get down in the weeds and help solve the problem. So, what what, what can we do? And I think there's four things that we can do to to fight for the big picture. You know, in order for you as a leader to find those answers, find that time. Because when you listen to my other lessons about fighting for intent or, or pursuing a decentralized culture. What are you doing? You're asking those questions of what are we trying to do, what are we trying to accomplish, right? That's the, that's the intent that you're trying to communicate. And fighting for or trying to find the intent or communicate and define the, the intent, to, to define that clarity, is a huge part of fighting for the big picture. So there's other lessons. You can go find my other lessons, my other episodes, where I talk about fighting for intent or pursuing what I call commander's intent. But that is the key to fighting for the big picture. And so a few things that you can do is, is, is create the sandbox. And that's really all about the intent. So if you find yourself in that situation where you're starting to get sucked in to trying to change the light bulb and you see that you're doing it and you're finding that self aware, you got to pull yourself back. And by pulling yourself back, create and define the sandbox. And what happens when you do that? Well, you're, you're basically defining what you're not, right? I mean, a huge part of it is this is, this is the area that we're going to play in. And that sandbox can change based on situations. Don't get me wrong. It's the, the sandbox is, a, is kind of a dynamic situation, depending on the moment, but you have to define it. You have to create rails or borderlines of what people cannot go into. And so defining the sandbox is a lot about defining what you're not, what you don't want to focus on, what you don't want to deliver, what, how you don't want to behave. Defining the sandbox or where everybody can play in it, it develops this clarity around who you are, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, and why we even exist. So going back to the airplane example, right? If I'm the captain and I'm faced with this abnormal situation, I'm going to get clear with the crew about what we're trying to accomplish here because that gets people focused on the solution. And in, And I know it may sound simple, but in this case of like the eastern – For a one case, if the captain would said, okay, what are we trying to accomplish here? We need to get this aircraft on the ground safely. But look, how much gas do we got? We've got three hours, three and a half hours of gas to loiter. Let's go out and take our time, climb up, and let's go try to figure this out. In a sense, what I'm saying is I'm not going to – if I'm defining the sandbox to play in. In other words, I could tell the crew, look, I'm not trying to solve this in the next five minutes. We've got three and a half hours of gas to play with. We are not going to rush through this. Does that make sense? So in a sense, I'm creating this sandbox, defining it, however it is, of what we're going to play in. And by me saying, look, I've got three and a half hours of gas. We can go loiter. We've got all the time in the world to solve this. There's no need to rush this. I've just defined a sandbox that we can all play in. Does that make sense? And so what you do, in the second thing is when you're defining that sandbox, then you know, don't think about the tactics. Think about the strategy. It's tied into defining the sandbox. But what I mean is the big picture thinking means strategic thinking. And again, going back to that Eastern 401 example, what was the captain doing? The captain was involved in the tactics. He was actually physically trying to pull out that light bulb with everybody else. He should have been thinking strategically. Okay, what do I got to do here? What, okay, and start defining the roles. I'm going to fly the plane. I got the radios. You guys break out the book, figure this out. And let's figure out a way to make sure that this gear is down and then let them loose. And he's focused on the strategic thing. I got to remember here, I got to get this plane safely on the ground. And I've got three and a half hours. He's thinking strategically. Does that make sense? So often as leaders, we get hung up on those tactical details, trying to pull out the light bulb. And what does that do? Nobody's thinking strategically. Everybody's thinking tactically because it makes sense. A burnout light bulb. Yeah, that's the problem. If we can just figure that out, we can go on with our way. But somebody has to be thinking strategically. The third thing that we can do to fight for the big picture is you got to listen to everybody. It is so critical. It's in line with the thinking strategically. But again, going back to that airplane example, if I'm the captain, I've painted the sandbox. I'm thinking big picture strategically. What What do I need to do? I need to get this plane on the ground. I've got three enough hours to play with. I've painted the sandbox. I delegated to people to solve this problem, but I'm listening, right? I'm incorporating everybody in that cockpit and they had a lot of experience in there to help solve this. But once I paint that picture, I paint the sandbox and I'm reminding myself that what's the ultimate outcome we're trying to accomplish. I listen, I listen to what everybody has to say. In the meantime, I'm talking on the radios, I'm flying the plane but I'm not tactically involved in what they're doing. I'm not trying to pull light bulbs. I'm not opening up checklists or you know, quick reference manuals or maintenance manuals or trying to figure it out. I'm letting them loose because they have the experience. In particular, in this case of Eastern 401, you've got a maintenance guy in there. You've got tons, thousands of hours of experience, years of experience. Everybody's trained the specific aircraft. But listen to what they're going and ask questions. Get everybody involved. Get the flight attendants involved. Get their perspective. What do we got going on? All of that helps everybody put it all in the context. It identifies the gaps. It identifies the things that we didn't miss. And let's be honest, it changes the conversation. If I'm listening, everybody's not looking to me and responding to my positional authority. That makes sense. In the case of this Eastern 401, you know, if you read the transcripts, the captain's like, you know, damn it, we don't need to be around this focus on this freaking light bulb you know he's just he's mad about the light bulb and everybody wants to pacify the captain about this burnt out light bulb right and so his mindset was around the stupid light bulb and the fourth thing we can do is like keep that eye on the future and i know a lot of everything i'm saying is almost like a distinction without a difference if you think about it but it's fighting for the big picture you know at the end you're responsible for driving the success of your department, of your organization, of your business, whatever the case may be. And in the case of the captain of Eastern 401, he was responsible for getting that plane on the ground. That was his accountability. And unfortunately, God rest his soul, he got wrapped up and sucked in to the minutia. There's always has to be someone and something, something worth moving, moving towards. And that's why I love these aviation examples because, yeah, I was moving towards getting all of the 163 passengers safe on the ground. That's what I'm trying to do here. And I do that in every situation. If I get, find myself getting sucked into trying to pull out a burnt light bulb, whoa, 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 pull myself back, pull myself back. What am we trying to do here? Everybody's getting excited. Everybody's all nervous. Everybody's all ramped up. Everybody's amped up. Everybody's stressed. What are we trying to accomplish here? And particularly now with COVID-19 and everything and the uncertainty and the fear, there's a lot of unknowns. And that's the time when you find yourself stressed, delivering bad news, laying people off, Not knowing if you're going to have a job in the future. Ask yourself, what are we trying to accomplish here? What does the future look like? And that's what leaders do. Because when you start looking that way, you start to go, oh, okay, this too shall pass. What does this look like on the other end? I'm not going to be reactive. I'm going to be proactive. And you start getting some clarity and some alignment of what the future could hold for you. And then that gives you power. That gives you fuel for innovation, for creativity. It gives you ideas. It allows you to empower people. Right? Now is the time to dig deep and start letting go some things and getting with it. It's easy to feel caught up in the present, stuck in today. Oh my God, is it so easy. Unable to think about tomorrow. But being a leader is your obligation. It is your requirement to have the ability to look forward. That's why you have this position. That's why you're called a leader. You have to be able to look forward. And that vision demands a lot of faith. A lot of you know, embracing uncertainty, embracing that fear. But that's what leaders do. They don't know how things are going to end up. They just know they're going to. And that is a mindset that you have to adopt. When you embrace that, you're focused on the future, and you can go back, you can rally the troops. They're the ones that's going to make it all possible. Don't feel like you have to get everything done. And going back to the Eastern 401 example. Sometimes people get wrapped up. You feel like you have to, because you, you, because of that tremendous pressure that you feel that you want to solve this, it's easy to get sucked into and just change that light bulb. So to recap, fight for that big picture, create that sandbox, create those boundaries. And not only does that define what you can play in, it defines what you're not going to do. And that is the most important thing. We are not going to rush this. Here's the sandbox, guys. We got three and a half hours of fuel. We're going to climb up. 5,000 feet, put the autopilot on. I'm going to take care of the, I'm going to fly and I'm going to take care of all the radios. We're going to set up this nice rectangular pattern. We're going to take our time. You guys break out the book and try to figure this damn thing out. All right. Meanwhile, I got this. This is my aircraft. You guys take care of it. Everybody knows what we're not going to do. We're not going to rush this. We've got all the time in the world defining the sandbox. And then you, once you defined it, make sure you're thinking strategically. What are we trying to do here? Trying to land this plane safely. I'm not worried about time. I'm worried about the safety of the 163. I'm not worried about my crew rest. I'm not worried about the schedules. I'm not worried about getting in late. I don't care about any of that. I'm not. We're trying. We're trying to solve this and get everybody, big picture, safe and sound. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to my crew. I'm going to listen to everybody around me. What do they have to say? Meanwhile, I'm still still on. I'm flying the plane, keeping the big picture, setting the strategy, listening to what they're doing, and then I'm focused on the future. Looking ahead, particularly in the crisis, it's easy to get sucked in to what's going on, caught up in the present, don't know what to do, stuck in today, and unable to think toward tomorrow. Well, I'm sorry, but you have to fight that because that is why you get paid the big bucks. That's why you get to wear a cool little shirt that says manager on your, over your left breast. That is your obligation. If you want to succeed, if you're going to be in it for the long haul, you must focus on the big picture. And clarity and alignment around that big picture comes through your disciplined and consistent behavior. It's a requirement. So don't take the time or don't take the, the bait saying that you don't have the time to do it. You have to make the time. That's what you're required to do. It's kind of like I was thinking about when I'm teaching my kids how to drive and I got my youngest, She's she'll be 16 in December and she's I'm teaching her to drive. I can tell her when she's not focused She's, she's just looking over the, the hood at the street, you know, and I'm like, look as far as you can and think how different it is when people drive. Do it for yourself. The farther you look, the look off in the horizon and your periphery picks up everything. It picks up the, the movement in the field to the left. It picks up the cars. It picks up everything. Don't look at the first stoplight. Look at the fifth spot st- stoplight down the road. Take it all in. That's what you're fighting to do, fighting for the big picture. I hope you find some value into this. I know this was kind of short and sweet. But I was thinking about this as I was fighting. My frustration with the COVID-19 thing and the uncertainty that certainly abound. But I did those things today. What are we trying to accomplish? Hey, I'm flying this thing here. What am I not trying to do? I'm not trying to get wrapped up in the negativity. I'm reminding myself that there's plenty of opportunities. This looks different on the other end. I know that. But there's opportunities abound. And I need to be the composed, confident, consistent, and courageous force within this chaos. Inside this home with my family on the, and on the other side of this when this all gets back to the new normal thanks for tuning in the show reach out to me at doseleadership.com. tell me what you think about this show send me an email richard at does or like i said go to those and fill out the, the contact form i'll get back to you let me know where you're at in your leadership journey and thank you to paul stringer for inspiring me today paul i know you're listening to this member of my dose of leadership university and then tell a friend tell a family member what you think about this show particularly if you get and die out of this subscribe rate and review at apple podcast or your favorite podcast application it's through those efforts that allows me to continue to grow the show and provide this value to you for free allow me to do this which i absolutely love to do and i know i was put on this planet to do something like this and until next time i look forward to you and in the meantime make it a great one